This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Always an honor to be with all of you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for finding this podcast and also for sharing it with your friends. This is the place where political correctness or wokeism and every other part of cancel culture is checked at the door and doesn't come into this short time we have together. And we deal with the real issues that should be priorities for not only for all of us today, but for our children and our children's children. These are issues that need to be dealt with and we're real about. First, to my Christian brothers and sisters, may you have had a blessed Easter. May all of your prayers be heard. And may we come together in peace as a nation of one, under one constitution. This week I want to talk to you a little bit about, follow up what the left is saying about the Colorado Islamist attack. Also talk about what the Pentagon is doing to identify threats in radical Islam and why Germany sees radical Islamism as its primary threat in 2021. And, again, another Islamist strikes with no media attention. I mean, the, 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 the patent, the patent hypocrisy. Noah Green, a member of the Nation of Islam, kills a police officer and critically injures another as he rammed his car into the barricade attacking the U.S. Capitol. And yet, his ideology is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It's been numbed, and we'll get to that sort of bookending the Colorado issue and the left and the way it attacked, the way it minimized what happened with Mr. Al-Isa, the Syrian radical Islamist, and now with Noah Green. So first, let's look at this. You know, uh, I, I think a great follow-up is, you know, I talked to you about sort of the story that was ignored about Elisa's Facebook postings, his constant victimology, his identity politics, his, his, his obvious social media hate of America for perception that it was Islamophobic and anti-Islam, and how his father similar Facebook postings and promotion of global Islamism with the likes of Erdogan. And now, it continues. They have no shame, the left. Angela Evans, writing for Boulder Weekly, writing for Boulder Weekly, said basically that the far right was trying to use the Boulder shooting for its own agenda. Let's not let it. So not only did they suppress the truth 
about the Islamists, about the ideology when it comes to political Islam. But no, if it's about far right, QAnon, Proud Boys, etc., they're all over it. It's all ideological. It's 75 million Americans. Yada, yada, yada of exaggerated hyperbolic propaganda from the left. But if it's about Islamists, oh, the far right mentions the word Islam because they're exploiting it. And they're on top of it. They're going to expose what that is. And now they're even saying that it's not. It's, it's anyone who mentions it must be affiliated with conspiracy theorists like the QAnon movement. And they said, a false flag, they said. They want to take away your guns, they said. She's writing in the Boulder Weekly. And yet, she gave credit to the Colorado Muslim Leadership Council that quickly condemned the attack and expressed support for Officer Eric Talley. Oh, really? Remember, I talked to you last podcast about the fact that many of the condemnations did not call it terrorism. That a national Muslim leader through the network of his company, Sound Vision, that publishes Islamist literature in America and the West affiliated with Saudi ideology of Salafi jihadism and traditional political Islam through the Islamic Society of North America and the Muslim Brotherhood legacy groups, Abdul Malik Mujahid, put a seven-point piece about press release to mosques, etc., saying, don't acknowledge it's terrorism. Tell them it's about mental illness. Tell them it's about guns. Tell them it's about Trump. That was their mantra last week. And now the left is crediting them for condemning the attack when in fact there was a non-condemnation condemnation. Because a real condemnation would have acknowledged that Al-Isa, before he became a militant, months, years before, was espousing the constant obsession on identity politics, the constant obsession on Islamophobia being the problem of America. It's hate for Islam and its bigotry being the problem of why, oh, he did so well living in a beautiful home with his parents in Boulder, Colorado. Some experts, as she said, quote, began raising concerns over how the shooter's identity could be co-opted to stoke Islamophobia. At the same time, Muslims across Colorado questioned their safety and some mosques even shut down operations for a while as a precaution. Um, most of the mosques... Uh, anyway, we was going to go down a rabbit hole of the COVID-19 issue, but our mosques here have hardly had any opening, doing it all by Zoom. <laughs> so I'm not sure of the compromise that that is. And by the way, it's, it's, it's because of exaggerated fear no signs of any backlash to any Muslim communities in Colorado or elsewhere. No serious reports came out anywhere. And they try to argue both points. Later in this piece, she argues that the shootings have become so ideological diverse that it is no longer triggers a response about Muslims and Islam and global threats and domestic threats and insurgencies that now it's basically been watered down. So you can't really argue both things, can you? 
and yet she quotes the identity politics. Quote, the sad reality is right now within the Muslim community there is fear, stress, and anxiety because of the very name of the suspected killer, she said. He does not represent the Muslim community. He doesn't represent Islam. He just happens to have a Muslim name. Oh, he happens to have a Muslim name that during the year before the attack was literally posting most of the things that the Muslim leadership across this country publishes on a daily basis about America being anti-Islam, about the American radicalization of Syrians because of conspiracy theories of Zionism and other aspects that Israel somehow is behind everything. All of the separationists, separatist ideologies were checked off by El Isa. And yet, the media blackout even seems worse, as I talked about last week. It seems worse because the right now is afraid to be tagged with hypocrisy, which they're genuine about. They don't want to, to do that. And they need to marginalize the militants of the Proud Boys and the wackiness of some of the other movements, which are minuscule in their percentages, but yet the left wants to tag the entire conservative movement with. So it's stifled real conversations about real threats. And they're saying in the in her article in the Boulder Weekly, there's still a lot we don't know. But what we know is that a community was impacted by an unimaginable tragedy. Talked about anxiety, fear, and stress. Nothing about the postings of what this what this radical posted and where these ideas came from. And then she started targeting leaders in the conservative movement. She targets Charlie Kirk, good friend of mine, conservative talk show host. She said he quickly blamed the Biden administration, claiming the suspected shooter is a purported ISIS sympathizer. <laughs> well, citing the same ideology today is like pretty much the brand of radical Islam is ISIS. It's not inappropriate. Then she cites Republican running for governor of California, call the shooting racism against whites, assuming the suspected shooter is a Muslim jihadist from Syria. It's not just that these figures are posting such sentiments online. What's more dis disturbing is the rate at which they are tweet retweeted and shared. I mean, it sort of shows you that they're not only, they are digging their heels in about the fact that Islam Muslims had nothing to do with this. Forget the ideology, forget the radicalism, forget all of the testimony we've given in hearing after hearing after hearing with what's happening in America and Europe. And we're going to talk about Germany in a few minutes. With all these pieces of evidence that these are simply parts of the cancer cells from the primary tumor, which is political Islam. No, that doesn't matter. The left is using American partisan divisions in order to completely obliterate any conversation about a, the biggest global threat to us today. Next, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about what's happening in Germany as again. I've talked to you about France, Austria in the past few weeks. If you pay attention to what's happening in Germany, you start to put the pieces together and say, are we next? 
Or is it happening already here? America has some aspects to it that I embrace not only as protecting us, but I think as part of the solution against radical Islam, which is Americanism as an ideology that I think is far better suited to defeat political Islam than the European ideas of race and secular democracy. But bottom line is, is secular Western democracy is pretty similar in its enlightenment, postmodernity, etc. And the tools are going to be similar that we use to fight political Islam. In every country you start seeing approaching this, you start to wonder, when are we going to wake up? Investigative Project on Terrorism wrote this week with Hani Garaba, a wonderful, wonderful scholar and writer. He said, the Islamization of European societies has begun a long time ago with uh, a long-term aim of Islamists, especially the Salafi groups. German Salafists and Islamists extended their activities targeting new immigrants in the country to native Germans. Just a few weeks ago, October 25th, 850 police officers in Berlin and Brandenburg, Brandenburg raided 26 locations tied to Salafi groups known as Jamaat of Berlin. Berlin's Senate banned the group before the raid after it was found to have ties to the Islamic State, used anti-Semitic slogans, and called for the death of Jews. The group had contact with Enes Amri, the Tunisian terrorist and asylum seeker who drove a hijacked truck into a Berlin Christmas market in 2016, killing 12 and injuring 48. Moroccan intelligence warned German authorities about Amri's support for Al-Qaeda's affiliate Jemaat al-Nusra. Jemaat al-Berlin, the group of Berlin, advocates terrorist attacks on civilians, propagates a cult of martyrdom that increases the willingness to commit attacks and promote Islamic State ideology. Berlin's interior minister, Andreas Giesel, said, We have no room. We have no room for terrorism propagation or the glorification of the so-called Islamic State. And just recently, German court sentenced Ahmed Abdulaziz Abdullah to ten and a half years as a radical Iraqi cleric in their borders. Over a thousand Germans have left to fight with ISIS. Germany's immigrant population is burgeoning with taking in of refugees. And the story goes on. I recommend you read it and start paying attention to not only what he talks about regarding ISIS, radical Islam, Salafi jihadists. He compares the fact that we sometimes ignore the Shia radicals, which are basically Shia Salafis. A very good point. Germany had to ban that group also. And he points out what a Israeli Muslim scholar, Ahmed Mansour, said. He said, those who only fight extremists when they become terrorists have lost. How apropos as we talk about Al-Isa. And soon now in this podcast, I'll talk to you about Noah Green. Those who only fight extremists when they become terrorists have lost. Because there's so many processes beforehand, so many ideologies before. As that process goes from identification with the global movement, victimization, obsession with victimization, obsession with jihadization, civilizational jihad, and then 
last, they're operationalized as militant jihadists. But if you only fight the extremists when they become terrorists, you've lost. And what happens when you use the extremists to train you on Islam? What happens when you use Islamists that have a Sharia supremacist mentality about law and a supremacist approach to Western secular democracy and identification with their nation states? What happens if you embrace them as moderates because they report to be anti-terror? But if they justify all of the reasons, if they justify the antagonism, if they justify the separatism, to use the left's term now that they've been throwing all over to the conservatives, they become insurrectionists. And that was regarding the January 6th attack, but now seems to be used about everybody. So, let's look at the Pentagon. Politico had a, a, a significant, significant piece this week that looked at what is the current approach of the Pentagon to targeting of terrorism, targeting of radical Islam, radical Islamists, extremists, etc., and they looked at an internal training module that singled out range of groups, ideologies, and symbols seen as primary insider threats. Betsy Woodruff, Brian Bender wrote about it. And they talked about all the gamut of groups from left-wing anti- Antifa movements to Proud Boys and others. One of the summaries, it says, there are members of the Department of Defense who belong to extremist groups within the DOD or actively participate in efforts to further extremist ideologies. Starts, states, a 17-page briefing obtained by Politico. Beware, be aware of symbols of far-right, far-left, Islamist, or single-issue ideology. It warns, stressing, the members of the military and civilian personnel have a duty and responsibility to report extremist behavior. Oh, now... Now they're paying attention to the problem inside the military? Oh, when Nidal Hassan was carrying around a card that said Soldier of Allah at the Walter Reed Medical Center, at the National Medical Center, then somehow that wasn't a problem inside the military. And why was that happening inside the military? Because there was no vetting process for what are the ideologies that bring somebody to take the oath that they will protect our country against enemies foreign and domestic and swear to uphold the U.S. Constitution. I called for federal hearings about this after Nidal Hassan's shooting, terror, killing of 14 and maiming of 31, November 5, 2009. But even the report, 180 page with a commission convened to find out what happened wouldn't even use his name, Nidal Hassan, wouldn't even mention his ideology, political Islam, Islamism, radical jihadism, Salafi jihadism to be most accurate. And now, DOD is beginning to all of a sudden talk about the threat because mainstream media talked about the number of veterans and some military, a few affiliated folks that were involved. We'll find out. There might have been folks 
wearing the uniform that radicalized. We've seen this before. But to somehow equate that and now pay attention to the fact that when it comes to people in uniform, why did Noah Green this week drive his car and kill two police, try to kill two police officers and killed one, and, and God willing, the other one will come out with minimal injuries and get back to normal health. Why is that? Because folks in uniform, as they are demonized by Islamists across the planet, as America is demonized, they are the front line, regardless of where they are. We talked about this in the Chattanooga National Guard attack of the radical Islamists. We talked about this in the Saudi officer being trained at a Florida Navy base who opened fire, or his Air Force, I can't recall, but he opened fire just last year, killing and injuring many. So people in uniform are ground zero, especially for separatist movements. Noah Green this week attacked Capitol Police because the Nation of Islam is a separatist movement. By definition, Nation of Islam is not hard to figure out, ladies and gentlemen, what that is. How do you run an organization by a heinous anti-Semite, Louis Farrakhan, who follows the Nation of Islam, leads the Nation of Islam movement, and say that somehow that will live peacefully within the United States of America and our nation. A nation within a nation does not work. They don't believe in our military. They don't believe in our cause. They don't want to defend us against enemies. They see us, other Americans, as the enemy. But nobody talked about it this week. And we'll get to Noah Green in a sec. But the reality is the Pentagon and as this report was talked about, is beginning to pay attention to some radicalization within its... And maybe if there's something good that comes to the attention of the left to the right, some radical groups on the far right, then maybe it'll be the beginning of a vetting process about separatists that will then all of a sudden have to deal with radical Islam. Political goes on to say the department published broad guidance for commanders to address extremism, which focuses on reinforcing the military's core principles enshrined in the oath that they take to the Constitution and several case studies of military members who were prosecuted for engaging in extremist activities or plotting with radical groups. It's interesting. I saw a uh, good Hoover Institution panel this week with Barry Weiss, General McMaster, and a few others about wokeism and, and, and what what the, the they called it the Great Awakening. <laughs> and McMaster was asked about the military academies and haven't they usually been insulated from identity politics and sort of this lack of clarity about ideology and, 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 and more of an obsession on victimology. And he said that used to be the case, but now it seems to be getting worse as some of the ideologies that need to be focused on are being avoided. And he didn't say it, and McMaster also has been soft, I think, sometimes on radical Islam, political Islam, and Islamism and the Brotherhood. But bottom line is, is that his point is well taken, in that the academies are beginning to suffer, and when they suffer, we know institutionally there's an issue, and I think these things are running together. It's not a coincidence that you see some radicalization within the military that the Pentagon's addressing while their academies are pushing out folks that, like other universities, 
are being pushed out to not necessarily love and, and be in rapture with America and everything for which it stands. They're being told that we are the problem versus how much of a blessing, how much of a, a leader we are globally in freedom, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and individual human rights and universal human rights. The narrative is changing, folks, and it's affecting our military. And this DOD directive, I think, has some things in it that should be of significant concern and also, I think, shows some progress. Last, let's talk about Mr. Noah Green. The one, the attack that's already probably down the memory hole that nobody is addressing. But the bottom line is, is that he attacked our U.S. Capitol. He came from the ideology of the nation of Islam and radical Islamism. Now, those two people think are quite separate, but not necessarily. They come from the same sort of recipe, if you will, of a supremacism of Islam, a supremacism of identity versus the West, and a sense that Sharia, Islamic law, or God's law is the only answer. Earlier this week, I'm sorry, earlier last week, he rammed his car into a barricade, hitting a U.S. police officer, killing him and injuring another one at the U.S. Capitol barricade, exiting with a knife and killing one while injuring another. His Nation of Islam belief emerged through a review of now-deleted Facebook pages by Heavy.com. Although police have not specified a motive and say they don't believe the attack was terrorism-related. Oh, really? On Facebook, as recently as a few weeks ago, the suspect expressed admiration for Elijah Muhammad. The deceased Nation of Islam leader was a, member, a mentor to Malcolm X. Green referred to himself as Noah X, the 25-year-old former multi-sport athlete with ties to Virginia, also indicated that he was facing many difficulties in his life. And he goes on to say, he wrote that, And my faith is one of the only things that has been able to carry me through these difficult times. And my faith is centered on the belief of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan as Jesus the Messiah and final divine reminder in our midst. Um, so, so can we please have a conversation nationally about Louis Farrakhan and his hate, his, his bigotry, his radicalism as being a leading cause of radicalization in the United States? How many cells? Look at how many cells of radical Islamists through the prison systems, through whatever it might be, have come through the nation of Islam. Yeah, their website, their newspaper, The Final Call, and others may not technically advocate for terror, violence against specific individuals. But the hate for America, the separatism, the victimology, the obsession with, with, with what they see as profound victimization, augmented by the fuel and gaslighting of Black Lives Matter and others, and now with the trial in Minneapolis. You may see these as all separate, but the racialization, the separatism, bruise a cauldron of hate 
that then becomes terrorism, and especially when you throw into the mix Islamist supremacism. He wrote, and this is from the this is from Noah Green's social media. He wrote that the Nation of Islam teachings helped him graduate with distinction, earn a well-paying job straight out of college and pursue my graduate degree despite not growing up in the best of circumstances. My ultimate goal was to learn business, he said, to improve the communities of black and brown in the United States. However, he said that path was thwarted as Allah, God, has chosen me for other things. Throughout life I have set goals, attained them, set higher ones, and they've been required to sacrifice those things. That was a March 17th post from Mr. Noah Green. Wall Street Journal in 2019 had a piece about the Nation of Islam and the House, the Congress, by Gerald Byer. Democratic leadership, he said, members have a history with Louis Farrakhan that they will not address. Donald Trump at the time had been facing calls to disavow anti-Semites and anti-Semitism despite many of his deeply pro-Jewish, pro-religious freedom, pro-Israel stances. But Democrats have their own anti-Semitism problem. The new House majority leadership, according to Bayer, included several lawmakers with ties to the Nation of Islam's Louis Farrakhan. Talked about James Clyburn of South Carolina, Barbara Lee of California and her ties, Maxine Waters of California. Waters attended a Farrakhan briefing to the CBC on his peace mission, which included a stop in Iraq. She's very close to him and was photoed multiple times with him. The difference... As Jake Tapper of CNN tweeted, the difference between Farrakhan and some members of the alt-right, R-E-I-C-H, whose heinous bigotry has received a lot of attention this past year, is that Farrakhan has a much larger following and elected officials meet with him openly. Another, another difference is that with a few exceptions, such as Mr. Tapper, the media just don't seem to care. Are we going to have a conversation, folks? The Nation of Islam, really? The SPLC, supposedly, which has been proven to be a propaganda machine for the far left, corrupt in many ways, by many exposés from Tyler O'Neill and others. But the SPLC has proven how weak the left is in addressing the radicalism of Louis Farrakhan. Remember the whole women's march? fiasco where its leadership had been so closely tied to the nation of Islam that it took mass exodus from the founders and others before it was acknowledged and even with that I don't know what actually publicly changed but the bottom line is there is no honesty when it comes to the left in dealing with the radicals that come out of the nation of Islam and the huge numbers that there are. Ilhan Omar, who's an American Somali immigrant 
that came out of the fold of traditional Sunni Islam and the Muslim Brotherhood sympathizers and movements and lobbies in the West sort of is that nexus between the separatism of political Islam and the Muslim Brotherhood and the separatism of the nation of Islam. And then the separatism of the far-left, red-green axis, if you will, and the identity politics mixes them together in this brew, in this cauldron. We saw it with what produced President Obama. Reverend Wright was very close to the Louis Farrakhan's of the world and its liber- and his liberation theology and Farrakhan separatist theology. No different. Very similar. Just different histories behind them. The end point is similar. And yet, President Obama never had to, in any way, sort of account for his closeness to that other than disavowing them as he became president. So we're going to have to deal with this, folks. The red-green axis is getting closer and tighter and growing in its influence. Now it's influencing major league sports. We thought there were things that were just protected from the heinous sports of, of political partisanship in America where it's a bloodbath and that uh, and until you resign or whatever it is that the woke culture will come for you and cancel you but now it seems that they've gone i mean just with what happened in the last week with major league baseball and what's happening in atlanta you see it's not i mean it makes it makes the kneeling debate at the national anthems pale in comparison when you're moving major all-star games and now you're having former President Trump declare a need for a corporate boycott. And by the way, if you want to blame him, he's responding to President Biden, who at a press conference openly called for the for the major leagues, for Major League Baseball to move its all-star game out of Atlanta, all based on false Facts, false information, misreporting, poor reporting about what was actually happening in that election legislation simply to allow ID at voting like you would anything else in America. And then Delta Airlines and others. I mean, this is becoming something else. And no, our sport should be unifying should be camaraderie about the state we're in, the city we're in, etc. Our neighbors should join together as neighbors, just like we do at public schools or whatever schools we're at. We we cheer for our teams. We don't know the politics and care about the politics of each other, and that's a different arena. I've talked to you about the harm of politicizing not only religion but other assemblies in America that should be sanctuaries for other forms of unity that come together. Should we then politicize businesses, my practice? I have patients of all forms of political stripes. Yes, sometimes they bring up politics. I don't. They bring it up quite a bit. But that's the normal culture, and we, we come together in making them healthy. And the greatest covenant, I think, 
that exists between human beings, which is between a doctor and their patient, and it's inviolable from politics and other mores that are just opinion-based and can change whimsically from week to week for a host of people. And if they don't change, it's even more reason not to talk about them. But we can't allow, we can't allow the fracturing of America's businesses, America's religious communities, America's states, America's municipalities, their neighborhoods, all these concepts that we should come together without politics become politicized. There are a few people out there writing about this. I talked to you about Hoover and its panel with Barry Weiss and others. Douglas Murray's written some great books about this recently. Great articles. Pay attention. So today, we've gone from the lack of reporting on the Colorado Islamist attack from Al-Isa, full circle to the attack on the Capitol this week by Noah Green and the media blackout on his ideologies behind it. And not one interview from anybody from Nation of Islam that I've seen to talk about, oh, is it related to it? Is it not? Is there going to be any critical reporting in which they put them under the scrutiny of the antiseptic of sunlight to find out how one of the world's leading anti-Semites bigots against the Jewish community who just a few years ago horrifically compared them insects and now we're wondering why there's radical attacks on our our seats of government by the likes of noah green nobody's going to read i don't believe there's been any interviews by any leaders from the nation of islam and how they hatch movements like the black panther the second black panther movement etc these are all questions everybody should be asking but we're not so everybody Share this podcast with your friends. Thank you for being with me. Start asking these tough questions, questions they won't ask on mainstream media. And the realities as as an American Muslim that I see of things we need to address at the head of the spear that we're not. God bless you all. Again, I hope you had a blessed Easter. Stay well, stay healthy, and we'll see you next week on Reform This. Find me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R, or at Reform This Radio. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.